2: plushcare.com slash weight loss The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power home of the Money Back Special And when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I should stay going so I opened up we We're only the small little fish out there so we are
0: and there we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the you near the smaller fish. because
2: I love this county so much, you know. It's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads
1: did it for the people of Waterford today because like I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken.
0: Not going to spend too much time cheddar on all these permutations, or you They'd have your head absolutely melted. But the Leinster Championship probably is a little bit more complicated than the Munster Championship because the Munster Championship points difference isn't really coming into play, considering Clare uh, Waterford are out and Clare's points difference is a disaster. So we'll start with Leinster. So Dublin have to win. Um, if they lose, their are out. If they draw, they have an outside chance, a very outside chance. That's if Kilkenny beat Wexford by more than eight points. So there you are for Dublin. Dublin just really have to win, um, pretty much. So that's pretty clear cut. Galway, um, if Wexford and Kilkenny doesn't end in a draw, then Galway will progress to the all Ireland series no matter what else happens. However, a draw in Wexford and a Dublin win in Parnell Park will see Galway eliminated for certain on points difference so like I mean Galway are looking in a very strong position but lose to Dublin Mm. and suddenly well I suppose it would have to be um, a draw in Wexford so maybe that's a little bit outside as well Wexford then uh, winner a draw um, at the weekend for Wexford will guarantee them qualification a win will deliver them a Leinster final spot while a draw will place them in the top three regardless of the result in Parnell Park Um, wins for Dublin and Kilkenny and they're out Right, so they, the good mm. thing, the funny mm. thing about this is, is they all have a chance to get, they all have a chance to qualify, but they have all have a chance of making the final, and they all could go out, <laughs> which is fantastic. I'll just finish Uncle Kenny before I let you in there. So their points difference is really strong. So if they avoid defeat, that'll be enough to get in the top three. So if the beat, um, if they win. They'll be guaranteed a Leinster place. A draw will leave them ahead of Wexford on points difference at the very least and potentially see them top the table should Dublin beat Galway. Even a loss for Kilkenny wouldn't be fateful if Dublin failed to beat Galway. So the nightmare scenario for Kilkenny is it wins for Dublin and Wexford and they're out. So all these scenarios, Wexford are, are, you know, they they look to be in a strong enough position. Obviously, Galway are in the strongest position. They're topping the table, so... Um, that's pretty much it but it's exciting enough stuff isn't it with four teams and loads of different uh, permutations
1: yeah no it is well, and I suppose we mentioned actually this last week that you know um, both Leinster and Munster will, will heat up as we go along didn't expect it was going to heat up like this and I suppose it's unusual that the team that are out of it Carlo don't play this weekend so so it is head to head against yeah. the four teams that are going for three positions here So or you know,
0: Waterford too the same well, Waterford the
1: other side is correct yeah uh, but just looking at Leinster like you know it's killer be killed here so nobody's going to go in there and you know have earphones on wondering what's going on in other, in other venues and that type of thing it's it's go for the juggler here for everybody, I think. Um albeit look if if things did go for you, it they might change, you know, where you are. But the mentality of the teams and the field and you know, the management and, and the and the, the the chat to the team and that is all about winning, winning the game here and obviously putting yourself in the position to either get into a Leinster final or, or to push on in the championship. Um so I think it leaves for um uh, you know uh, you know a massive two games on a Saturday night a couple of other little things in it as well it's good that the game between Galway and Dublin is in Parnell Park and it's good that the game between Kilkenny and Wexford is in Wexford Park because it adds that little extra spark to it um, everybody knows that Parnell Park is a very very difficult place to go and play although Galway have other credentials to be able to manage that yeah. um, and um, you know the history of Kilkenny and Wexford um, although in recent past um, you know Wexford you know have no fear of Kilkenny recently um, Um, But, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, you know, Wexford would prefer the the match to be in Wexford Park than in Nolan Park anyway. Let's put it that way. Um, So it has the makings of two incredible games. I think they'll go right down to the wire. Um, Both teams have, I suppose, lots of strengths to negate the other. um, The the actual set-off of Galway and Dublin are two big teams, physical teams, big backs. Um, It's going to be a fair air game if both teams go air. Um, And, you know, Wexford have a little bit of an Indian sign over Kilkenny at the minute um, in in terms of the way they're playing, the way they set up. You know, Kilkenny just haven't handled that well over the last couple of years. They have won it and they have beaten it and they have worked around it, um, particularly one game in Wexford Park a couple of years ago. But I think Wexford have refined that and we might talk about that a little bit later in more detail. But just as a general comment, you just simply couldn't get a better finish to the Leinster Championship.
0: No, you couldn't. Um, On Sunday, the Leinster Championship is being played. I'm writing, saying only one of them are on RT, the Tipperary Limerick game. But on Saturday night, Sky are showing both of the Munster games, so we can flick over and back and see how both go- games are going, which is a good a good thing for Sky to be doing. In fairness to them, showing both, and there's a bit riding on him. So, like I mean, like I said, because Clare's points difference is minus 30, you know that's not going to come into the question. The three teams above them all much stronger. So what Clare need to do is they need to beat Cork which will get them up to four points and they need Limerick to get a draw or better or better in Thurless. Um No, they need Tipperary to beat Limerick, right? So then there'll be four. No, oh, it, to no they Tip. need Limerick to beat Tip. So yeah. then they're go, they go ahead of Cork on a head-to-head. They'll be level with Cork on four. There'll be just two teams and they'll beat Cork on the head-to-head. Um, what Cork need, they need to beat Clare and hope Limerick fail to win and then they're in the Munster final which is fair enough they'll go above Limerick on six points uh, what Limerick need is if Cork lose they're nearly certain to be in a Munster final regardless of the result so they'll be just second yeah that's it And it, it, if Clare beat Cork and Limerick uh, lose there'll be four teams on four Limerick's uh, score difference is 31 Cork's is 13 so, you know, if three teams finish on four, Limerick are in a very strong position there. And what, what Tipperary need, like Tipperary are in the Munster final. Now, it's not 100%. Mm. There is a possibility, but they're on plus uh, 38 um, points difference. You know, so it's vastly superior to Cork, which are on thirteen. So they're plus twenty-five. So what they would hope is that Limerick and Cork would need to win by amounts to wipe out that plus twenty-five. So we'll sure. say Limerick or, or Tipperary are fair enough yeah. in the in the. So that's all exciting stuff as well. Like I mean, the Tipperary Limerick game is going to be an absolute clash of the titans. I I was wondering whether um, whether Tipperary might be resting players. I might get that get to you with that in a while but they, they can't really afford they can't really afford to really like I mean you know Limerick can get up level with them Cork can get up to six points now they have the the superior score difference so look they're probably in the Munster final one way or another but I'll, I'll get your opinion on, on that in a minute mm. but one piece I was reading from Martin Brehany and it's it's, uh, it's not often I agree with that man so I'm feeling a little bit um, <laughs> weird in in bringing up a piece of his that that, uh, that I'm agreeing with but in fairness like he's pointing out the fact that Limerick can lose to Tipperary this weekend, still make the Munster final. Could lose the Munster final and still be in the and they will be, if they lose the Munster final, they will be in the All Ireland series. So you're in an All Ireland quarter final after losing three games. There's something not quite right about that Cheddar. is there? In a group of in a group of five, uh, you know, coming out of a group of five teams.
1: I, uh, look. I suppose it's an unusual anomaly. Um, But to change that, you're going to have less teams going up um, and that. And then you're going to have unequal numbers then going into the All-Ireland series, I'm assuming, um, if you look at it like that. Um, Look, I think, you know, you'll find some anomalies like that in each given year. Um, It's it's unusual to lose three. But look, not dissimilar to last year. They came in third in Munster last year and went on and won in All-Ireland, you know. So this is what it's going to be like. Um, I, I think that's you know I, I'm probably quite okay with that in the sense that we only have a certain number of teams to go around anyway in terms of the championship and there's going to be some anomalies when you reset it like that Um I think once teams reset themselves um, you know you can have an off day or two off days and you can still be a very very good team and you know I think it's still a competitive very very competitive championship obviously and it gives teams that second chance or rebite bite at it again uh, to get themselves right and, and move on um, look it, it probably just doesn't fit perfectly with the competitive element that you're looking for from championship hurling um, but it has proved last year that you know when you lose a couple of games uh, you know once you keep pushing and finding out the issues and correcting the, the issues in your team that you can still come back very very competitive and the games then I mean the all Ireland semi-finals and final last year with the exception maybe in the final of the first half the second half and certainly the last 15 minutes was very very competitive so it doesn't reduce the competitiveness of the championship I think I take your point Willie that you know it may not be as championship oriented as you would like yeah. it to be but you I think see, that's, just, what, yeah. that's just the way it is
0: and that's the thing and I suppose really comparing a league to a knockout championship is, isn't is right either because they're two completely different things like I mean le- it's, it's not often teams go through leagues um, unbeaten and that's kind of the way it is. Declan Bonner was talking about the Leinster Championship cheddar and he wants it increased to six um, teams so like his point is is that they learned an awful lot this year from their um, um, experiences playing the very top teams and his point is now that they're going to go down Back down now to Joe McDonough. So instead of learning from them, coming back hmm. against these same teams next year, now he's going back into Joe McDonough, which is a lower standard, and they're almost having to work back up. You know, it's like a year on, a year off at best. Yeah. So are you ever going to build on it then?
1: I don't know. Look, uh, um, I just happened I seem to be keeping being dragged back to that <laughs> I <laughs> it, keep dragging you into each etc. Incidentally William delighted that the, 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 the Donegal football manager is going in to manage Carlo because I think it was Colin Bonner made that Oh, the, oh did, the, I did I say Colin say Bonner, Bonner. <laughs> Declan Bonner <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway no, 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 not to worry um yeah, look, these are things, Willie I've been talking about a lot for the last year. And it's the entirety of this. Um, you know, there's a lot of positives about this. Um, and a lot of the time when I'm talking about this, I seem to be degrading the Joe McDonald Championship and, you know, its worth and its value and all of that. And I, I don't mean to do that. What I, what I really want to say here is that a serious look needs to be, a serious look needs to be taken against, you know, how can we raise the quality of hurling, the volume of quality players in four or five or six counties to make the All-Ireland Championship a competitive maybe 12, 14, 16, I don't know, whatever it is, number of teams. And I can certainly understand where Column is, is going here. And look, Carlo are a fantastic example to be to be trotting out here in support of our argument here. Here is a team in Carlo, and I've said this a number of times, that is the, certainly by far and away the best Carla team I've seen in my time. I think the last time that Carla had a strong team was before my time. Was her early sixties? I think they were quite competitive at that stage as well. Um, so obviously, in the last couple of years, they've done a fair amount of work at development level in Carla, and I certainly am aware of the 121 teams and minor teams coming through. Um, and look, that could be just generational thing rather than a great lot of work going on yeah. there, or it could be just a little bit of both. We, we, we don't know. Carla, Carla, people will answer that. The opportunity is there at the minute to build on that. You certainly will not build on it by getting your flagship team back down to a secondary competition again and expecting them to maintain the ambition and the uh, performance levels um, at Leinster Championship uh, when you're playing in the Joe McDonough. Everybody knows it doesn't work like that. You reset your ambitions and your visions and your goals and all of those things. One of the crucial things and critical things is that The pace of the game in Joe McDonough is very, very different to championship hurling at the top level. It is hugely different. And unless you were playing at that level the whole time to learn things, and that may be technical things, and look, we might talk a little bit later on. How do you handle um, Mark and TJ Reid? Johnny Glenn, you know, these type of players, uh, Pat Horroke and all of these, even for you to learn yourself individually, the technical things that you need to improve on from year to year, you can only do that by testing yourselves against them. Now, you do need the ambition to go there. Um, You know, this is a big gap. It's a huge gap to close. But unless you have that type of a process, an improvement process, both yourself personally, and the team, and the team management, and the county, and the county board, and everybody behind this has that, um, I suppose, foresight to see how this thing gets gets done. Well, then it's not going to happen because you'll drop down to the Joe McDonough and you'll, you'll look, you look, you'll do your damnedest not to let this happen. But this is what will happen. You will say, look. I've been playing at Leinster Championship I don't really need to work too hard I can take a year out here not a year out in attendance but a year out in terms of performance improvement Um, and look I'll raise the game again the following year we'll win it again next year it doesn't work like that Um, you know you could very well just have a change of management Colin Bonner might go so
0: the spark I, might go out of training. The, spark, the intensity.
1: absolutely everything. Uh, and, the, you know, the thing might just fall apart on you very, very quickly. And wherein for once in 30 or 40 years, Carlo were in a very, very strong position to try and reach up to another level. And I would suggest that Carlo have about two or three steps to go to get to really competitive in the Leinster Championship. And they've done well this year, but there is a massive step up here. Um, and t- to do that, People need to stand back and, and examine every single item here. How are we going to f- improve all of these things to push Carlo up two steps and maybe another step step the following year? To do that, your flagship team needs to be at, at the top. Just think for a minute, the home games with Carlow this year, the attendance that was there, the interest that was in Carlow hurling... Um, you know, you, you switch, turn that on its head, and go back to Joe McDonough. I can tell you that the attendance will 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 have it'll probably go down. You know, it'll be down to one fifth. The, so the interest of young people in Carlo and everybody associated with supporters, parents, everything, in terms of growing the game in Carlo it just simply slides away. And I can certainly agree with Colum. And I have been there, and I've I've been banging this drum for so long that 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 somebody needs to look at this. There's there's a number of counties that with a fair bit of help over a, a period of time, and I'm talking maybe, maybe something like 10 years in terms of the development of the game. And one of the crucial things, and it's going to hurt it has hurted Carlo, and it h- hurts all of these counties you simply don't have depth of panel to be able to deal with a Leinster Championship now of four games or a Munster Championship with, with four games or whatever the case may be play a league try and do well and stay in Division 1B if you can that's competitive enough and then switch straight over to a real foot to the floor hurling for four games and expect that you're going to have a panel of, uh, that's going to be able to deal with that and there's two aspects to that there is the I hate the word fatigue because I just can't stand that word um, but there is something in playing four weeks in a row or as it is now you know four weeks over five weeks or six weeks or whatever it is there is a a little bit in that there's still amateur players at the end of the day the crucial point is that you don't have a number of the right resources to be able to play different game plans against different teams and to do that you need to really develop hurling in your county and grow the number of quality players available to you I just don't see it, Woolly, and I, I'm, I'm just going to stop talking about this anymore. And if you ask me this question anymore, I'm going to refuse to answer <laughs> it because I'm just sickened by yeah. the lack of interest in GA headquarters and GAA Croke Park and Leinster councils and all of these organisations which have the responsibility and the accountability to get these things organised and worked. And just throwing some coaches into a county is insufficient it's not enough because the top counties are actually doing that already and more. So how are you going to close the gap? You need to sprint. I've used this um, um, example a number of times. These counties need to sprint while the other teams are jogging along to catch up in them. Yeah. And we're not anywhere near yeah, that at You the need moment.
0: to be doubling down, giving them way extra money and coaching and expertise. And, that's and, and,
1: and I'd say, sorry, Willie, for cutting a crash, I, I will. I will say this clearly as well. If those counties and those county boards and those county supporters and teams and clubs and all of that are not interested in doing this. I wouldn't give them any money. I think I think the counties themselves have to show th- that you know their own ambitions and their own vision for hurling in that county first before I'd get in behind it. But I think if you know, I think if if John Horne got a group together, to look, at, I know he has a group already together, but I'm not too sure if their terms are reference and I'm not too sure if it's refined and and really focused on on this part. But I think it needs to be. And I think if somebody came up with the project plan for that. Overseen by serious, serious people, um, and I, I'm I'm really talking about project managers to look at something like this with with a with the experience of delivering a sports program like this and go around the world and and uh, I know I was uh, I, when I was involved in Leash, I looked at a lot of things I looked at the Welsh Rugby Union I looked at New Zealand Rugby Union I looked at Canadian hockey and all those other sports what would they do to really increase the, the numbers and the quality of their of their teams and when you do that you can come back with certainly um uh, you know a really good template of what would work in every counties and de- in each in each of these counties and then you can actually build a specific for each county because each county is different you cannot come with a, the same plan for every county you need to target it towards the county and it's that level of detail is needed um, and I think that's what column is referring to if you had that and you're able to say stay in at that level of competitiveness and, and learn in, in that in competitive environment then I think Carla hurling would hold its own would, would hold its own at the very least is either looking to be as competitive nobody's saying here Carl is going to win in All-Ireland in the next three or four years. As all they're looking t- to say is this team can compete with, with you know the Kennys or the Dublins or whoever it is or the Wexperts and over a period of years and over that time we'll keep pushing ourselves here to try and reach the top.
0: Yeah, no exactly and like I mean th- this, is, this is the thing um, Cheddar like you're the only pundit I hear constantly banging that drum I don't think enough of the the high profile ones because Dublin is the very obvious example 15 years ago Dublin were competing with Leash and they were competing with Antrim and they were losing a lot of the time Leash and Antrim at that level and look at them now you know and that's because of investment that's because of a plan and that's because there was money put in there like I don't personally I don't understand how, how the hurling pundits don't rage against this because we're talking about nine serious teams and you have an opportunity with the Joe McDonough Cup teams because they are traditional hurling counties as well to get them up to a 14 All-Ireland team Championship. How great would that be? Two groups of seven in the summer and here there you are. Then you have your, your lower tiers and like I said about the lower tiers, with respect, a lot of them are football counties and the idea that to try and get hurling is very difficult in those counties but the counties that have hurling tradition it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be hard because it's there. It's there in the counties like half of Leash is hurling the south. You know, you it's know, not I like you have to develop that. That's there already.
1: No, I agree with that. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the preconditions. There would have to be a geographic base, um, you know, to, to be able to step up to this level. Um, look, I... I, I, I I probably don't have time on this on this show to tell you how many times I've been around the, the blocks and the houses and this, the different uh, parts. And what was most disappointing, some key influencer in the GA that were at a very, very high level um, would clearly say to me, look, this is not a runner. Um, Leash is not going to close this gap full stop. Really? And, uh, absolutely. And and, and I, I just, you know... Even though
0: Dublin did? Well, now they have a population, well, I suppose. Well,
1: if you go back, I can talk at length here about Dublin because I understand a lot. I I made it my business to understand how they got to where they got to, where they got to, and and look, I'd probably throw in another comment that the whole hurling program in Dublin was probably hijacked by football eventually. But look, that's a different issue. Um, like the original funding that went into Dublin, set it up. Now I fully agree with this, um, Willie. I said before on the show. I work in Dublin. I see the I see hurling just growing at grassroots level in Dublin, and at uh, Dublin. And I'm a hurling person, and I will not, would not want to see that change. I think it's simply brilliant what I see going on here, and I would not want that to change. But the template is there of how to to do this, and it does cost money, but. Um, and I, n- n- you know some people will say oh and I, I read actually John I've, it's a huge time for John Horne because he's come from a um, a games development part of Dublin and um, he is you know he has certainly served his time um, in, in the games m- promotion of the GA and deserves where he is but I see his comment this morning that his, his volunteerism in Dublin I was and,
0: very disappointed with that
1: uh, I, look I thought John John was obviously talking out of the side of his mouth and that because he knows this better than anybody um, the, the setting up of the uh, coaching structure in the clubs in Dublin was principally driven by the 2003 Hurling Development Plan in, in, in Dublin. Uh, there may be, the clubs may be contributing now um, but that originally, I, I, I don't know, I have the figure somewhere but it certainly was millions and I'm talking about five or six million over a number of years early on and then th- that was obviously pared down to a million a year or something like that. Now it's not as much now um, and look, th- that's something like 60 or 70 full-time coaches in clubs in Dublin, clubs and schools in Dublin overseen by four or five games managers. I fully applaud that. I think it's brilliant and I, I think it's really needed in Dublin and I, I probably would like to see that with more focus now for Hurling in Dublin to get in behind Dublin and Hurling team at the minute to make sure that whatever uh, performance improvements they make and whatever success they have is underpinned by a really, really good system of production of quality players for the future for Dublin. Why can't that very same template um, targeted tours, the Carlos and the West Meads and the Leash and Offleys at of this world now be put in place for those counties with sufficient funding okay. but I'd give no funding to any county if I didn't think that the, the the development plan for that county was innovative and comprehensive enough to develop this and just talking about coaches and that is totally insufficient and I've heard it being spoken about Offleys, totally insufficient for Offleys. You are in such a state now in, in some of these counties and the competition from other sports is such that you need to look at a complete lifestyle management of underage hurling in those counties. And it is very, very comprehensive. And anything less than that is not enough because Kenny, Tipperary, and all the other counties are actually doing more. How the hell do you think you're going to catch up in them by just doing something a little bit less? It might be more than you're doing at the minute. It is not enough. So somebody needs a massive, wide vision um, and a real understanding. I'd probably say, Woolley, that somebody needs to look at this. If we were to introduce a new sport in these five counties, what would we need to do to make it stick and to make it develop and to make it appealing that all parents and kids want to play it within five years? That should be, really be the test of your thinking of where you want to go with something like this. The point i just want to come back to now is your first point. Carlo have a lot of things in place at the minute. They have a flagship team that's appealing to the county. To have a lot of young players that any other, a lot of other counties would be, would be delighted to get and put them on their team um, and it, that might not always happen so I'd say strike while the iron's hot here because if it isn't then that job is much bigger and much more difficult
0: Yeah, listen we could talk all day about this it's very frustrating it's just very frustrating and I'm not even a hurling person and it frustrates me that I'm you, not going to answer that question <laughs> anymore <laughs> Willie <you?
1: laughs>
0: Come here we'll move on from that there because it did sidetrack me I know what you're like on these issues I um, talk column. Uh, Colin Bonner's uh, comments were interesting I'm just going to talk about one more thing here I'm going to leave some other stuff until further on the show the cynicism in hurling cheddar what do you think about this it was very very apparent in the Galway-Kilkenny game and frustrating to watch
1: um. Yes, I'd agree with the, the, the comment about it and particularly the last comment and I look, I probably would have been one of these soldiers. I don't know any manager or coach coming down the track and you're six or seven pints up that wouldn't tell his player take him down and uh, stop the goal going in and particularly when you have the quality that likes to TJ and some of those players around the place. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want to see black cards or any more cards we've enough, yeah. enough of cards and we've enough of um, we, should
0: do, we, we agreed on that on, on Monday mm. because black card is such bad PR in yeah. Gaelic football because referees aren't implementing it right but should there be a penalty for a cynical drag down late in a game like that should it be an immediate penalty for example uh, uh, you know is there a way of doing it that hurling people will accept because I can't uh, see a black card uh, floating their boat
1: I think Willie um, I do agree we've defined something um, and we have to find some penalty befitting the behaviour yeah. and particularly late in the game like that the problem is you're com- you co- always going to come back to is the definition of that Yeah, um, and you know and that's
0: where Gaelic football is struggling referees massively, aren't sure what, massively. what's and, cynical and what and I don't not. care
1: you can, get the refer- oh, but you can get professional referees this is a person's interpretation of something that he's seeing in a, f- you know, in a flash and you expecting him to make a decision on this so I, I think If we could look at it and come up with something, some common sense about that, um, I think that would be certainly... Um, would, would be welcome. I just can't think of what that should be without putting the, the, the whole thing in a, in a sort of an interpretive state. And now you're going to have every comment the following day is the referee was crap because you should have given us a, a free in or something like yeah. that, or you should have given us a penalty or something like that. Well, if,
0: if a team is trying to defend a goal, like if they're four points up and they're trying to avoid, or two points up and they're trying to avoid a goal scoring opportunity, what are they trying to stop? They're trying to stop the other team scoring mm. a goal. What should the punishment for doing that be? A penalty. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, if No, it, no if
1: I agree with you, Willie, but I think just talk that through or walk that through now But for it would a stop them doing it? It, it, it would. Um, except you... What you're going to have then is you're going to have no, def- no um, defending at all. Um, because it's just too risky you're leaving it up to a referee you will have well
0: no now a normal foul you'd say fair enough I suppose these deliberate drag downs you know the ones where you're grabbing a lad's arm and just pulling him to the ground you know that kind of obvious ones now I know you are yeah. getting into a grey area was it a goal scoring opportunity almost like soccer Correct. the last man back I do understand yeah,
1: that's the difficulty I, think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I certainly would like something I think every hurling person would like something um because it is deliberate there's no there's no doubt about that but yeah. it's just the definition of it and leave it to the referee in, in you know in one second flat he's expected to make a game this would have been a game changing free last Sunday for yeah. example and if that had been the case Goldberg out the All-Ireland Championship probably yeah. Like it, that, this is how important it is um, so I, I think you'd like to see something you know can you do it retrospectively I don't think you can it has to happen in the course of the game uh, VAR
0: but, Cheddar VAR oh god don't mention <laughs> that <laughs> alright we'll move on and we'll look at the matches
1: All these changes were brought around to help the clubs, as what was said, and the solution that came up with was to play more inter-county matches. I suppose if you have no in your hand, you have
2: to kick it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing trying to <laughs> I tell you, a lot of people who would have been happy if I took that ball and I fucking slammed it. LAUGHTER
0: so we're going to talk about Wexford and Kilkenny here because it is a local derby. It is a huge game, and um, we'll talk about Tipperary Limerick too. Whether I put it in this section or not depends how long we go we go on this. So, like, I mean, I saw Davy um, commenting after the Carlow game, and he starts. He was talking about playing in patches, and he was saying we started the game well, but whatever happened, our lads, we stood off, and we're doing it in a few matches. We're losing a ten or fifty. We're lo- we're losing a ten or fifteen minute patch. We can't afford to have those patches. So, like, I mean, it's always weird with teams I've I've been on and suddenly sometimes you'll be talking about, you hear players say, oh, well, we concentrated on a good start. And I don't know any team that doesn't want a good start. And all these things you talk about, you drift out of a game and then you drift back into the game. Is this just a natural progression of games? Or can you actually work on, you know, going out of a game for 10 minutes? It's not something that's easily
1: fixed. Um. I think you've got to try and find the causes of it first, Woolly. And if the causes, um, you know, if you can identify what that is, it may very well be. It may be very well you don't have, you don't have much control over that. So, for example, after fifty minutes, you know, you have concentrated in the first fifty minutes and um you've you've you know you've contested everything and you've really raised the intensity levels and the work rate and all of those things and you've you've you're at you're at the very least competitive um and the, you know the game starting of neck and neck with with the opposition and then after fifteen minutes the other team seems to just you know get a toe hole in the game and and get a flow into their game has that been because they've changed their game plan and switched things around and you haven't reacted to it so there could be things like that that yeah. you need to be really really aware of, and you need to be sort of know beforehand you know what's your solution to this um so first example, um, you know, if somebody's playing a sweeper and they push the sweeper up the field and he's knocking over a couple of pints or something like that, look, you're going to have to do something uh, to, do, to do with that. So th- th- those things are fixable. The second thing that's fixable, you're, you, you should know earlier than that, and that is concentration. So when you focus on the first 15 minutes of a game and you were, and that's your message to the team, which is not a bad message, but what happens for the next 15 minutes? Because in the players' heads, he has been fully alert now for 15 minutes And then suddenly, I don't need to be fully alert now for the next 50 minutes. That's the message you're giving. It might be, you know, it might be... Um, you know a, a light message that you're giving him but that's what he's hearing so your your concentration levels drop and you will see that you will see you're, you're wondering then why the corner forward is beating the corner back out to the ball he's only getting a step on him but actually he's got the step in the head you know his, his mindset is just he's just not as alert can you deal with that well then we're going back now to a show we had a couple of weeks ago that's where your sports psychologist really comes in what's the what's the um, I suppose little reminders um, I can't think of the actual word here Willie, at the minute um, um, that keeps you mentally alert right throughout the game. And that right. is not just at the start.
0: Here here's a quick one for you then. You know the way we concentrated on a good start. The amount of times you hear it and mm. I hear it yeah. I hear it recently Is that a bad message to a team considering what happens if you don't get that good start? Do you know what I mean? If you're depending on this good start. Like, is is it good? Is it a good idea to focus in, lads, we have to get a good start here? You know what I I mean?
1: No, no, it's not. Is the direct answer to it, would it? I didn't think it was. But but there would be sometimes. And look, I I just keep qualifying myself here. Um, You know, I much prefer the sports psychologist expertise to, to explain this um, but certainly there they, they certainly wouldn't agree with that there may be times you will want to use it um, for example you know if the opposition um, is going to you know if you're fragile and you go down in the first 15 minutes and they score two or three goals and, and that and you're gone out of the game well look your fragility will really show then so it is important that you get a strong start to the game and that you're in the game and you might set up structurally. you know you're wondering sometimes why players why teams play with sweepers and all of that a management team has considered a whole lot of things here, including historical things that has happened to the team. And, um, you know, you may be just in a fragile state and you need to just keep yourself competitive for a period of time. So the, the the team builds up confidence and self-belief and then goes at it again. And they may be the discussions that you would have. But just to give a message of, um, you know, we need to start uh, intense here. We need to work really hard for the first 15 minutes. So what are you going to do for the next 15 minutes you yeah. know I, 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 th- those messages can be mixed messages to teams um, I think
0: it's amazing how many players come out afterwards and say we con- we were yeah, concentrated no, right. on a good I, start
1: I, I think Wooly, it's I suppose that's where the depth of information that you have about your team is really important that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be good for an immature team. But if you have a team that's with great leadership in the team or a team with very experienced players in the team, they can interpret that message exactly what it is. It's the interpretation of the message that's really important here. So if a young team comes in and they just take it at face value, Manager has after been biting me ear here, and he wants me to really rip into this team, team and this player and my player for the next fifteen minutes, first fifteen minutes here, and establish my dominance and superiority over them. And look, whatever happens after that, will will we'll work that out then. That wouldn't be good but I think if you have leadership in your team they understand the message here the message is that let n- don't let this team get a physical dominance over us or a psychological dominance over us in the first 15 minutes knowing full well that once we get to 15 minutes um, we're going to choke them after that that's the you know they're, they're different I think it depends on the team that you're actually working with
0: Yeah no it definitely does so Lee Chin was doing media this week and I thought he made a couple of good points tactically um, about Wexford he says I know people think we play negative but we think we play very positive with regards to the way we we attack and how many players we get forward. Sometimes it's a case when we're training, that we have too many lads up forward and there's no room up there and you're complaining and telling the wing backs to get back down the field at times and I thought that was a gas comment in that the whole thing's negative and Lee Chin is like Jesus stop streaming forward go back I want, I want a bit of space up here so like, I, I know there has been some analysis done on Wexford and the, the amount of players they get forward the wing backs especially I'd love to see where that develops from because we know in Gaelic football if you turn a team over around the 45 it's very easy to get those numbers pouring forward whereas if the turnover is back the full back line, you still have to work it up a long way, you know, and it, that kind of breakaway score isn't on. So, you'd like to understand a little bit more about Wexford in that uh, where their scores originate from, and is there a bit of consistency? in like, if the, obviously if they turn over a ball around midfield or wing backs take off, and suddenly then you know what I mean, they have a little bit of uh, momentum on that. I don't know if there maybe is some analysis could be done there, Cheddar. Um
1: again, Willie, U- I just keep going back to this point and I, and I just don't want to do that. But it's just so important um, to, to make. It really depends on the resources that you have um, and the games, the, the way you play the game and that. But first of all, um, I just thought it was really good that Lee was positive about the Wexford game plan, um, you know, because... Your belief in the game plan and your your confidence in that is just crucial, particularly when you're running systems and game plans and that. You know, if you don't believe that, well, look, you're you're not in a, you're you're going to get a flat performance out of that. We might talk about that later on, a little bit later on. Um, and but I, I I can understand his point, and let's just think of that for a minute, um, and let's just look at it and maybe look at a different team. Although, look, it would apply to Wexford as well. You know, you're looking at Lee Lee McGarver and you're looking at Connor McDonald. We'll just take Colin McDonnell for the example, and you, unless say, you pop in high ball to him, to him, and he wins it in front, he doesn't want extra players around him. He wants uh, as little players. He's going to turn around, eyeball his man, and break his and break the tackle and go by the shoulder. And he should be free on goal at that stage. He's in the full forward line. He doesn't want extra players around him um, just because they're there. Um, you know, blocking him up and that. So. That's what we're always trying to do with defence—is to block up the space. As you know, in the, in the football as well, it's the same. It's the same thing. We're just trying to block up the space as much which we can. And when you do that, it's difficult for quality players then t- to play. And I I'd probably draw the example of Tipperary. Um, you no, know, Tipperary. Uh, I suppose it's it, what Lee Chin is describing is the opposite to creation of space. And I said this before—the best article I've seen on the creation of space—and really to do um, um, with with what Limerick are doing and uh, what was Christy O'Connor's article I think it was a very very good article and on, 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 you know what's the key point of the way Limerick plays it's creation a space well you have too many players up there if it, that actually happens well look there's less chance of being able to make that work for you hence a lot of teams you know why are the dragon wing backs back to field of course it's a, it's a defensive screen and a defensive strategy it's also trying to suck out your wing backs to make more space around galan and Graham alcahy and these real dynamic quick players yeah. that they want space around them to be able to make things work first of all to go collect the ball so it's not a competitive ball and second of all when they have it they have space to be able to work on and make their own space um so i I'm I'm, I'm, I'm Wex- interested Wexford, in that
0: Wexford are probably the only team where you see wing wing backs. Going that far up the field without the ball, or, or even solo soloing the ball, Do you know. Usually, you see wing backs taking long range shots, and maybe that's they have yeah. a little bit of defence in mind as well. But Wexford wing backs and midfielders can pop up on the twenty one meter line. They the,
1: the, the can. And, and look, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say that I think that this is where Harlan will eventually go. I think the, the positions will be so dynamic. You will always have six backs or five backs or four backs, but the interchange, particularly of half hour lines and full four and and half back lines, um, will be really, really fluid and really, really, really quick. So you might always see six six fours up front and, and six backs at the back, but they may not be the six. They may not actually be the same six at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you will see interchange of positions much more over the next couple of years. And I think, you know, the next change, I suppose, or the next system, I don't want to use the word system, the next method of play, you will see that, that the, the change and the interchange of players will be much more dynamic and fluid than even we're seeing now and that's much more than in other years. There's one other point I'd, I'd make, Willie, um in terms of the 7-up. Um, I was up in Dunlisle last year at Antrim and at and Leash and Antrim and um, Antrim had a toehold in the game. I think they were maybe four or five pints up playing with a breeze and uh, Leash put, put a sweeper back to field and Antrim put their extra man up on the sweeper yeah, and it left five defenders against the Breeze five defenders and, and, and five leash forwards now that is is very very risky because when you put the ball to space and you have quick forwards and to go for the ball it's it, the inclination of the back is to foul the forward because he knows he's no support behind him um, so so the, the, I suppose it just proves the opposite of, of you know it just backs up what Lee is saying here that you know forward needs space but when you put too many players up there you choke up space that game, after about 10 minutes, Antrim, I think, were maybe 4 1 up or 5 1 up. At half time, um, Leash went in against the breeze, two or three points up, due purely to Antrim send, sending their player up the field and look it might work in other situations I'm not I'm not saying anything against an antler management team for making that decision because um, other people might make the same decision but that's the risk you play when you put too many people up on one side of the field yeah
0: no it's definitely that's an aggressive move alright but if you were doing that I suppose you'd be asking him to pull him out some bit you know True. get over on Re-beating, the wing yeah. and not yeah. just be blocking it all up um, what do you think Wexford are going to do with uh, TJ geez he's in some form like he's al- almost unmarkable James Breen has done a good job on him before but he's obviously not there um, anymore you'd imagine Matthew Hanlon will be pairing off and Walter Walsh they like a good battle anyways the two of them if Walter is back in you'd imagine Davey's going to have to have a plan he doesn't he tends to get his defenders all to mark their men because they have the, yep. they'll have Foley back there sweeping anyway so there'll be no, none of this dropping off stuff Wexford don't do that that's the difference with their game plan obviously
1: Yeah and, and that allows you to do that as well you can man mark yeah. man mark tightly it's touch tight marking and and then you have your man to, to offer assistance to it or even second, second tackler um well, look, they've handled him pretty well over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I'll just come I back
0: think he t- did well in Nolan Park, was it last year, or the year before, yes. in the second half only? But he that's doesn't correct. have a great record against Wexford. No,
1: and, and, and that's the point, like, I mean, it's it's real in the face marking. And, uh, you know, I think, was it JJ made the point here on Monday that, you know, whoever's on him won't mind too much about how much ball he plays. It's just get the ball to the floor. They can kick it out, it doesn't make any difference. Just don't let TJ get the, get the ball. I just wanted to back up, I suppose, Willie, first of all, TJ, and there's been an awful lot spoken about him. Um, Look, he, he, it's its unusual um, that you're talking about a player who is currently playing as being one of the best players you've ever seen. More often than not, that's a little bit uh, rose-tinted in the past of what you have seen. Um, but certainly in my time looking at it, um, he definitely stands in among the best players. And if you just compare him with with other counties, and I'm going back a number of years here... Um, you know, if you're looking at, uh, you know, in my time in, in Tipperary, in my time in Tip, Jimmy Dial was the best player i ever seen. I was very lucky that he coaches at a club and a county level um, when I was playing myself and I just saw first firsthand, the, the skills that he had. He was an incredible, incredible player. Probably the best hurler in, uh, that I would probably ever see. In Galway, is the likes of John Connolly. I know he was a midfielder in his earlier part of his career. Look, Cork had a whole pile of them. Obviously, going back to ring, um, we, we didn't see, but, but, you know, they have a whole pile of quality forwards there. Um, But just take it within Kilkenny itself because that's enough a test for any player. Um, And, you know, if you want to just look at DJ and and Henry, in my view, TJ is probably better and has more influence on the game and is more important to Kilkenny, certainly at the minute, than either of the two lads. And that's a fair statement to make. And if you want to go back a little bit further into that, you know, you can certainly go back to... Uh, Billy Fitzpatrick's time in terms of a real quality skillful hurler who was able to manage all aspects of the game and Kilkenny had some hard men as well Pat Delaney from Johnstown uh, would have been related to JJ there were some seriously tough men play it. but I'm talking about the real skillful players that influenced the game um, and you'll probably go back further than that and you'll probably go back to Eddie Kerr uh, in Kilkenny who is sort of generally regarded as you know the best Kilkenny forward that's ever played I think TJ is on a level with him now and he still isn't finished yeah. and, I, I, and I know from from listening to older people, they'd go back even further to you know, like any people who explain this an awful lot better than I would, go back to Larry Maher. I remember a couple of old people I was speaking to that they, they thought Larry Maher was God. I mean going way back to the thirties or the forties here. To think that, you know, people generally speaking have those um that type of respect for those type of players after they have finished hurling. You know, people now have that respect for T J. He's an incredible he's all of the skills. And I thought um Brian um you know, explained it really, really, really well on Monday in terms of the key parts that he has that probably other teams don't have. But the influence he has in the game isn't massive. And now I'm going right back to the start to your point, Willie, it would make sense to try and stop his influence on the game. Yeah. Because he, at this minute, without him somebody made a comment coming out of um Kilkenny the last day. What if T J wasn't playing for Kilkenny um, last Sunday and uh, Joe Canning was playing for Galway it was probably a 20 pines difference of a game to be honest with you and now we would have a completely different view of Kilkenny going to Wexford Park so it makes sense for Wexford to do that Wexford have handled it well um, you know they can change around markers if they want to do that um, you're right Matthew handler probably will take uh, will take uh, uh, Walter because I'd say he'll definitely be playing if he's able to play at all um, and you know they'll take the chance in TJ but the, the difference with TJ though is is a little bit different than other players and he reminds me a little bit of Henry Sheffield in this might be might start out at 11 or he might start out at 12 but he probes weaknesses in the opposition team um, and he, he'll move to that and you know he'll find that out and he'll go for it um, and I, I just think he's he's um, he's just intelligence and his game intelligence within the game itself to probe out areas that he can influence is is really, really interesting to watch. And I, I was actually surprised last Sunday, and we might just talk about golf a little bit, that he didn't actually go in on, on uh, John Hansbury because I thought John was, was you know, he was just having trouble in that game and he probably just didn't go that far. But I'm really impressed with him. Um, so th- the point I'm making about that, Willie, is that he makes himself a li- little bit hard to mark at times because you might have a tight marking back and the next thing you see TJ he's playing out in the middle of the field picking up ball yeah. and, and, and all of that so you know is your back now is he looking comfortable out in the middle of the field or is he heavy legged out there or is he out of, Is he way out of position here so there's a lot of things to, to think about when you're thinking about TJ and how you're going to handle him but you do have to handle him at currently with Kilkenny or, or you're, you're, you know, you're going to risk being way way too close in the game coming down the wire
0: Yeah that's the thing it's just like I mean I suppose it's his aerial ability and his pace and his fitness like it's hard to find a back that can match up to mm. those three things and then obviously yeah. you know the skill levels we'll get to predictions next I want to talk about Lim- Tip, because this is a this is one I'm really this is probably the one I'm looking forward to most like I mean this this is a, some physical match up here isn't it like this is almost this is a heavyweight battle now that Tipperary have come up to the plate and they have mm. the physical players that can put it up to, yep. to Limerick in that middle third
1: yeah no it is um, look assuming that both teams will go hammer and tongs for it and I think they will I think they will Yeah, yeah I, would, yeah. I think I think there's a lot around momentum that when you have momentum and Tip definitely have that at the minute, um, you know don't burst that bubble unless you have to through injuries or something like that. Um, so I think they will. Bear in mind it's in Turles as well, and and um, you know Tip won't want Limerick to beat him in Turles.
0: I don't it, think sheedy's that type of man that would would say lads, you know. It's not the end of the world if we lose this. You couldn't imagine him saying it, could you? It wouldn't I, be in I his DNA. It's a
1: very, very dangerous game to play. Um, what you could do, and and what Tip might do, but I don't think they will because they're just they're just you know, they may very very well be playing Limerick in a monster final um, and they'll want to win everything and so will Limerick. And I think, you know, Limerick um will, will fancy themselves. Incidentally Limerick always love playing tape and have a good record against them yeah. over recent years and we look forward to going into the test themselves. But back to your point, Willie, I think you're right, the physicality um and just that physical size of players is going to be an interesting um, g- game and there's definitely going to be big hits go in here from both sides and look Tip won't be found wanting when it comes to that either they will pride themselves on their aggressiveness and their physical hurling probably above any, any other county um, so I think that's going to be good and even when you look at the matchups um I think what's going to be really interesting that is that how Tip match up. How both how? I, about I don't think Limerick will change. I think they'll play their team. Okay, they might have one or two different players in different positions, but I think the same type of player will be in those positions. But but, but Tip did change the last tip for Clare. and they got it absolutely spot on. Um, so I think you know the first matchups obviously is in the Tipperary full back line. Um, So what will Limerick go with? They're going with with, uh, Casey, Gillan and Mulcahy at the minute. You know, very, very quick, darty players who like a little bit of space to work around. But if they get that space and their conversion of scores and all of that is very, very, very high. Um, And of course, they're allowing that space a little bit by the two wing forwards working back the field and maybe stuck in their half-back line up a little bit further than what you'd like to go. Um, So, you know... Will tips go again with Barry Heffernan full-back? Well, look, he has the pace to play that and he obviously has a game under his belt now. Carl uh, Barrett has really raised his game and likes that type of man-marking game. It you know, could be on the likes of Peter Casey.
0: He's a good uh, matchup for Casey. He's a good or match, for is, Mulcahy, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, if they'll stay with Sean O'Brien or, or, or whoever's going to be on, on, on the other, in the other corner. Flame. That'll be interesting, or it could be Flynn, exactly, and on and, and the other corner. So that could be interesting. What I think will be will be the other part that will be really interesting is who will Limerick play on on Michael Breen? Because in William O'Donoghue, they have the ideal file for him. You know, another tall, almost the very same as Michael Breen. So that could be, you know, a real match-up there. And obviously Keane Lynch and Noel McGrath are almost identical players, you know, real intelligent, real skillful Um, And, you know, real players that can really spot opportunities in the match to make things work for you. Um, So that could be a good shootout between the two of those. The one thing that I'm really interested in looking at is, um, you know, obviously Gerard Hegarty and Tom Morris or whoever the two wing forwards are, generally speaking, will work back the field and, and, you know, make themselves available for ball or fight for ball. How will Tip handle that? Yeah. Um, certainly, they won't want their wing backs going up the field and leaving all of the space in front of McHale and Casey, as we've said earlier on. So they're not going to go up there. So it, it, uh, is Liam going to go with Banner and with uh, Dan McCormack? You'd imagine they'll again? have to
0: pick them up. Yeah.
1: Well, if it is, there's going to be a very busy piece of hurling in the middle third, and it's going to be physical. And you know, Garrod, Hegarty and Dan McCormack, um, you know, could be interesting. You might, you mightn't want to be too close to them because it'll, be, it'll no. be definitely tough. But
0: then you see, this is the this is the knock-on effect with Limerick. Dan McCormack. And and Bonner are going to have to drop and pick them up. They're leaving Dermot Burns and Paddy O'Loughlin or whoever maybe maybe it'll be um Dan Morrissey. Yeah. And they're completely free and they can hit long-range points. So you're kind of you know that you're That just
1: brings me to the point Wooly, That that the crucial thing I think for both teams is the use of ball by free wing backs. And look Potty Mark can score um, Ronan Mark can score Brendan Mark can score as easily as as, as uh, Dermot Burns can um, so the use of the ball there and the precision of the type of ball that they want to use if they're distributing it or if they're going for pints that we're, we're not just shooting um, you know Hail Mary shots and that they go wide and we lose a little bit of confidence I think it's it's going to really really come down to that what's the quality of the platform that you're trying to work off of
0: Yeah you have to nearly take that chance to, don't you leave the two wing backs free. you could even push one or two from your full forward line out on them and leave the two free on the full back line maybe and that's kind of all what oh. you're trying to do what's uh, Declan Hannan going to do with Bubbles because this is the thing Declan Hannan never follows his man in and the reason he doesn't follow his man in is because of the three half forward they're dropping in that's a war zone he lets yep. him on but Bubbles is too clever for that He won't drop. he'll drop out to the wing he'll drift left and right rather than out and in, Do you know that kind of yep. way. Bubbles is too clever to be heading out into a into a that battlefield. I wouldn't be going anywhere near it myself. Like I mean if Bubbles yep. goes left and right and Hannan can't let him go left or right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No but uh, uh, well that's this is where I think it's really really crucial because just think of the move before that. Um so um, Brendan Marr gets the ball and Bubbles makes the run to, get, to take the pass to hand because that pass to hand is going to be a pint. You simply cannot leave him uh, that type of freedom. This is the old Noel McGrath problem as well playing out in the middle of the field. You cannot yeah. leave him free out there. It's a pint every time. Bubbles will score two or three dose in a row, still need you with a toe hole in the game and tip her off. Um, so I, I, I fully agree with you the, you may very well see now um, uh, a full forward line with a longer range of running or mobility or whatever you want to call it in terms of working back to field and then be able to get back in again when the ball is coming in there so the the, the, the timing of that and the working of that and the understanding of that um, so you know you, you may very well be looking at um, John McGrath um, or Shamie Callan or Seamus Callan is a very very good case here because he he has really upped his game off the ball here and his ability to he's track and for tackle work, yeah. he's mad for work so you will see you will probably will see Seamus Callan uh, certainly picking up Declan Hannan or getting yeah. close enough to, him to put pressure on him in terms of that he's not going to be able to uh, able to, to pick the pass up the field to to players and that so uh, I think the game will hinge on that if both teams set up as we suspect they will and if both teams are actually going for the win here which we suspect will I think it's it'll be a, an incredible game i think coaches will be dying to go see it because there'll be a lot of things going on here that they'll 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 want to pick up on and certainly the the coaches and the um, I suppose the intelligence of the coaching on both on both teams is of, is probably of the highest around Ireland at the minute and it'll be very interesting to see
0: yeah it definitely will I actually don't think this will be a classic at all because I think they both hunt in packs and they both bring such a crazy level of getting the ball back I can see it being maybe you know scrappy clearances although I think why Limerick will win this is because they'll be able to pick out their men cleverly whereas Tip mm. might resort to clearances under that savage mm. pressure you yep. nearly with Limerick the way they hunt you you've no but to get it on down there you know you can't be too clever with it
1: yeah and and tip backs are good at at handing over or sorry limit backs are good at handing over players Um, tip rely a lot on that that, uh, run to space put the ball to space it might be a diagonal ball across the field then it's not going to hand but it's going to space to really quality players one touch the hand pop it over the bar Do
0: you need a bit of time to deliver that good ball you know well, well, Limerick you, won't give them that
1: Well see, this is the point that, that we are sort of making earlier on like will Brendan Maher Parig Maher and Ronan Maher be free because their men are pushing up the field and are, those men are now covered by Tipperary so it, I think it is going to depend a lot on that if they set up like this that yeah. the use of the ball by the half back line and the pressure that they're put on and delivering that type of ball will, will depend a lot I think it will, on the, w- the way the game will go I think it will be, I, I think it will be a classical game if the scores flow. That there's not that the pressure is not so much on the man and the ball that you know we're missing shots and that and, and that type of stuff. I think if the, the forwards get enough freedom to score, then I think it'll be a really really good game. And I think it'll have all of the components of a good game, including being very very physical, which you know a lot of supporters want to see. Not and I don't mean over physical. I think just the physical hurling that you know a lot of people look for.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely think they'll get it in that one. Right, we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions. People say what do you love about hunting, they say. Uh, is it is it the fresh air? Is it the great outdoors? Is it the trill? No. I just love killing things, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. So Paddy Power predictions. We're going to get very quick prediction on the first two games, Cheddar, because we've just talked about them. Wexford are seven to four outsiders, according to Paddy Power. Jeez, that's a, a very um, attractive um, bet there. And Kilkenny are four to seven favourites. So what do you think here?
1: I'm going to sit in the fence on this one, William, and I'm going to go for a draw. A draw to really um, complicate to really the things here, Yeah, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Um, look, look, I think there is... Um, obviously it's a home game in Wexford if it's a windy day um, Wexford is a difficult place to play and you know that game mightn't be might mightn't be a great game then in Wexford Park Um but I think, look, Wex will have a little bit of momentum behind them. It, it, if, if for nothing else, the crowd that's following them at the minute, a huge crowd in, in Parnell Park and at and the first round, that, um, you know, and the place will be will be really rocking. As, as John Milan says, the Wexons will be out in force yeah. on, on, on uh, Saturday night. So, look, I, I just think that there's just nothing between them. I, I, I'll make one um, comment on that. I think if, if Kilkenny used the ball better than they had been using it, and worked the ball through the lines a little bit better, and play the ball to some dangerous forwards including the likes of Bill Sheehan and Colin Fenley, and that um, then I think they'll it, be difficult to beat but the play against Galway the last day their, their, uh, their use to the ball was was very traditional and there were, most of the ball that went to their forwards was very very competitive that's fine when you're throwing that ball into Owen Larkin and Henry Shefflin and and uh, Martin Comerford for example of a couple of years ago incidentally Martin Comerford is still hurling club hurling Kilkenny and playing absolute blinder he could Go still ahead. play full forward for Kilkenny
0: What is he? 39-40? What uh, well, I'd say
1: he won't see 39 or 40 again anyway, I would think. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, that's fine when you're that type of player, um, but it just thought a lot of the ball that they used, particularly off their half-back line, and their half-back line was under fierce pressure the last day against Galway, and never really got a platform to put in quality ball anyway. But even when they did, it was just struck. And, it, it, you know, the only difference about it was some of it might have been, might have been a diagonal cross-field ball, but it was high and it was right really on top of, you know, catchers. um So I, I think if they... It changed that a little bit and I'm not suggesting that it would change any plans around that because they've won all the All-Irelands with playing the way they're playing but I think if they use the ball a little bit better and find their men a little bit better um, then I think they're going to be hard to beat. You know, just think of it for a minute. They had, you know, massive fighting spirit. They're going to fight to the end, and uh, that's fine for Galway. Galway beat them a couple of times in the last couple of years, and you know they have that mental strength, I suppose, to see out a match. Um, you know, I don't know whether Wexford will have that mental strength over, you know, considering what has happened over the last couple of years. So I, I think there's a lot of imponderables. But I'm just going to. I think both teams are in a very sort of similar position, and I just go for a draw, and I'll sit on the fence in that one, will you?
0: Okay, fair enough. Tipperary, Limerick. This is the closest in the betting. This is ten to eleven. Tipperary are slight favourites. Limerick slight outsiders. 11 to 10 I think this could be a sneaky draw
1: Yes no it could it look you you're could. you just calling this just We're
0: basing this on Tipperary picking their strongest yeah, well, team Oh right? no
1: absolutely oh, you're, you're basing it on that both teams are picking and that both teams are really going for it so in other words they're not setting up just to be you know just to see out the game or something like that um, and you know I do agree with you I think it's it's just so close you'd probably be a little bit concerned about um, t- both teams Limerick um, you know, they've had good games and they've played really, really, really well last weekend. It wasn't just necessarily that they won, but they actually played well. They completely dominated the game in every facet. Um, so, you know, are they now at that level and going to sustain that level, or is it going to slip back a little bit like Cork? You'd like to think that they're the bit between their teeth and they're going to go for it. Tipperary have still serious concerns about their back line, um, and I think that. Limerick may very well have the type of movement up front to cause serious difficulty for tip backline Um, and you know we've discussed the other things so look call it um Look, I, I, I just think Limerick All-Ireland champions, they will see this as a serious test of their pride and their credentials as All-Ireland champions. Yeah. And, you know, bear in mind, and, uh, this no is matter, Derby stuff. Yeah,
0: and no matter what way you look at it, Limerick have to win. Tipperary yeah. don't have to win, yeah, you know what true. I mean, yes. regardless yes. of anything else. So, yeah. OK, we'll take we'll it. Take we'll go, you go for Limerick there. Um, then we have Claire Cork. I didn't talk too much about Claire today, Cheddar. We don't really have time now. Cork, here's the Cork. Bench the last day Shane Kingston scored three points Conor Lee Han came on scored a point Christopher Joyce came on wing back Robbie O'Flynn came on and Tim O'Matney came on let's just put to bed the cork bench problems anyways for starters
1: I know that look people were a small little bit critical of John Myler in round one and I'm going back now to the point we were discussing earlier on John Myler stood back checked out what needed to get fixed in the Cork panel that were so close last year and I'd probably say he has fixed that the strength and depth all over the field of the type of players that will play the Cork system there's no point in getting strength and depth of quality yeah. hurlers they need, you need much more than that and I think he, he has got that and he's got Aidan Walsh back you know it may not be the most uh, uh, free Grace scoring thanks. forward and all of that but it's crucial to the way they play and I, I comment that on Seamus Flanagan as well of Limerick crucial to making the the he's the a vital cog in the wheel of the way they play I'd say um, so, but look Um, So I think you've got to give credit to John Myler. He identified um, a weakness in the team and in the panel and he went away and fixed it and he's in a stronger position now. But of course, that strength can only be tested in the white heat of Championship hurling and look, going into NS next Sunday is one of those uh, uh, situations.
0: Just just (coughs) to cut you off, losing your first game is clearly the best time to lose a game. Look at Limerick, look at Cork. It gives you the kick in the arse. You can make a change or two psychologically and more Cork with their actual team and suddenly then they've both got a very good chance of winning their next three games because they are you know in the top three teams in that province anyway so if you're going to lose lose your first game i suppose isn't that right you only learn
1: when you lose yeah i know it's probably is if it's going to happen it's probably the right time for it to happen but of course That only works if you have the qualities to work with, first of all, and that the, you know, the things that made you lose the match aren't so big and so crucial that you can't fix them. If you can fix them, then that's great. Um, But probably just looking at the experience of this year, you would say that, will Yes.
0: Yeah. OK, who are you going for here? Claire in, in an awful state. They've lost their last two games by, I think it's a combined total of 30. They couldn't possibly pick their confidence up off the ground and win this
1: uh, look, I, I suppose I spoke up playing in Ennis a lot last week and, and the, you know they didn't deliver on that no. and just didn't deliver that sort of fight that you know I know where is, is going when he's talking about that um and I just think look, Cork have found their mojo. Um, not you know, they're certainly not to finish an article and John Myler will know that that you know there's a good little bit of work to do here for the real fluidity in the team to flow to to, to really put themselves in the driving seat to win an All Ireland, but they're definitely on an upward curve. And you would just think that, you know, considering the mindsets and uh, of both teams that Cork are in a much stronger mental state at the minute and you know, have a lot to play for here. I know Le- Clare have as well, but I, I just think that they will push on and I thought what's a little bit worrying, um, Wooly in terms of the psychology of it is you know some of the players including Pat Horgan were sort of speaking during the week that you know all Ireland's on the mind all Ireland's on the mind and I always be a little bit concerned about that because sometimes you can see the long term goal and that's not what you need to be focusing on you need to be focusing on the work that you need to do next Sunday to win the match your job what is it and you, are you clearly know what that is rather than focusing to the end result a little bit concerned about that but I'm sure that you know Cork management have that made it quite clear what needs to get done next Sunday okay. so in a roundabout way I'm going to go with Cork and that game
0: yeah, we, I'll go for Cork too. Dublin, Galway. We'll have to be quick on this chatter because we want to get to the two Joe McDonough Cup get or er, matches quickly. Uh, Dublin thirteen to eight, Galway eight to thirteen. Um, you fancy Galway? To no, be I fancy ahead Galway. Of, and I think Galway
1: have the um, physical attributes to be able to manage Parnell Park. Yeah, you know, canning he, back
0: by the look. Look,
1: if he's back um, and he just stands out and takes frees. Um, but the most important player to Galway at the minute is 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 Whelan. Like he made things. He was fantastic. Yeah. I thought last weekend, and he made things tick. Um, and he's a very very difficult uh, player to, to, to play on. Um, so I, look, you'd have to go with Galway, yes. Yeah. Now I haven't said that. And then you go back to Dublin. Like you no know, Dublin, and you know Matty will know Galway, will he? There's a couple of things you well, know that yeah. we haven't sort of thought about and given enough thought. He will know Galway, and he'll know clearly what makes each of those players tick. But he'll equally know how to handle these players. So you had uh, the likes of Jason Full forward last Sunday who caused an awful lot of problems he will know uh, what the Dublin full-back needs to do to, to, to stop that at its source and so on and so on so I, I wouldn't write off Dublin I think Dublin have improved a lot and they are very very close at the minute but you would just think that Galway now have found some form and I think the critical part of that woolly last Sunday they've placed Joe at centre-back not at wing-back, even though a lot of the papers and everybody all else right. sees that. And he plays there with his club. And I think their half-back line offered him the platform to be able to put the right type of ball up the field. And they're used to the ball while, it can, while I think it'll, it'll get better, but it was an awful lot different to the way Kenny used the ball last Sunday. And that was the crucial difference, I think, top of both teams.
0: OK, all right, fair enough. Go, anyway,
1: we'll go with Galway in that. We'll
0: go with Galway in that one. But, it, but it's hesitant. We have Kerry Offaly. Kerry, five fight for Offaly, are four to five favourites. You have Connor Mann being suspend, Mahan being suspended. He was red carded. You have Colin Egan um, out with an ankle injury, and you have Aiden Tracy, who played well the last time, is also unavailable. You have them going away to Kerry. You have awfully potentially going down to the Christie Ring. Uh, I think awfully will win because I just can't imagine it happening. But <laughs>
1: um, I'm, I'm not so sure, Woolley. W- w- to be honest with you, um, I think they're. Um big losses for, for Offaly, although, you know, for the future of Offaly you might look for a different type of player in that. Um but, you know, they're very, very competitive players and they will be they, you know, they will if the three of them are missing they will they certainly will miss them. Um I think it's a it's a serious issue for Kerry as well though. Um if Kerry lose I think they're in trouble as well, aren't they? Yeah. You know, so this is this is doggy dog. This is killer be killed for both teams. Um and I think
0: Oh the loser goes down. Loser like, goes yeah. down
1: like, you know, so it's not just necessarily that the pressure is on is on awfully. Um and I think, you know, Lee scored a number of goals, scored five goals and scored two goals just before half time, which were sort of crucial and but Kerry did not give up. They kept you know, kept it was likely Kenny they kept you know driving away for the game um, and you know whereas you know it would certainly hurt all hurling people to see Offaly and all Leinster people to see Offaly go down but I think they have a serious serious challenge on their hands and how to handle a couple of things that Kerry do um, it will be really really crucial and how to handle some of the Kerry players will be really really crucial Kerry play with some certain ways of playing that if you don't start out in the gate or score goals like Lee's did the last day and just get yourself so far ahead as you just keep going um, then I think offly could be in a little bit of trouble um, and I think a lot will depend on the Offaly mindset going down there you know if 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 it's really um, you know us against the world which is what it should be um, but I I I caution a little bit as well that I just think a lot of the commentary around Offaly is around the emotional part and it cannot be always about that it's got to be emotional and processed together um, and sometimes the emotional part can really re- really undermine you Um so uh, I think I'd probably go with Kerry in that match. Uh, okay. Particularly, it's in Tralee they're very difficult to play there. I think if it was up the country, I, I'd, I'd go with Offaly. But um, I, I'd be dead keen, obviously, for a, for a Leinster council, or Leinster uh, county to stay in that competition.
0: Yeah. Okay. Leash four to five favourites against Westmead. Westmead five to four. Westmead have to win. I'm pretty sure Leash are already through into the final. Is this go- a little bit like Tipperary? Are Leash going to want Westmead to get a psychological um, kind of advantage over them after beating them in a Moore Park and then meet them again in the final? I think or are Leash going to try and stamp them out of I it? I think
1: both teams are sort of through, um, You know, I, th- I think the permutations are are probably suggest that... Um, Look, uh, uh, that this is oh, very inter- Westmead beat Antrim, so There be no head that beat Antrim that's head correct. To head. You know, so this really is for both teams. You know, how are they going to set up next Sunday, um, and um, you know, leave themselves right to be able to play a Joe McDonough Cup final in Croke Park today, the, the Lancer Senior Hurling Final, which is a fantastic occasion to, 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 to be in. Um, look, you asked the question. Um, you should never ever go and play a match without wanting to get something out of it, and you certainly should never go to play a match with a view to uh, seeding anything about yourself. Um, so I would I, I probably think you certainly will not play your panel. And I, I think, uh, I don't know whether it was Brian or JJ mentioned Brian, this. yeah. Brian made a good point Brian on that. Brian made a very good point on that. Um, so what message are you giving to 25, 26, 27, 28? Well, look, we're just we're just giving you a game here. Um, so you, you don't learn anything. And bear in mind, there's a couple of weeks to go. Um, so I think you are looking at you know you you certainly will change you won't play your first team but you will play your most competitive team and you will certainly give some messages to players that we're going to be training over the next fortnight or whatever whatever is left in June you have probably three weeks left to the the Joe McDonough final maybe two weeks so you're going to have a hard training you know week next week and you know you need to put it up to some players here Um, so you're picking of the team that's one of the things you will look at you will certainly not want to cede momentum to the opposition you will want to learn some things from the opposition as well uh, you know you, you probably would be expected to know as much as there is to know because have played Westmead a number of times and Leeds have a very very good record against Westmead we'll probably hopefully talk a little bit more about this for a Joe McDonough final yeah. um, um, you know so I, I think you know you asked me the question well what would you do well you want to go and win the match um, you don't. You probably won't put out your full team but you'll put out a team that um, might have maybe three, four or five changes that you want to learn some things about those players. Have these players the ability to to, to to take that jersey from somebody else and give me a performance in Croke Park. That's something else you might like to look at because Croke Park obviously is a very different place to play in than you know playing in some provincial pitches. It's obviously a bigger pitch and and all of that. So a, you need to take learnings from the game and give it everything to try and win the game and not seed momentum while at the same time you know, keeping some little bit in reserve but not en- enough in reserve that start you're sort of seen to be just putting out a half team and just going through the motions it is not going through the motions
0: OK you, don't, you never tip against Leash, so you'll be going for Leash here I'll be going for Leash as well so we'll see the, the, we'll give a good preview of that Joe McDonough Cup final because they're two very evenly matched teams and yes. two, good, two very good teams um, especially at that level right um, Cheddar that's always time for up next we'll talk to Damien from Paddy Power Damien, how's it going?
2: Uh, Not too bad, Colin. How are you? Good, good, good. So, we're going to start with my accumulator. Do you want to break the good or the bad news? Uh, we'll see uh, we'll see um, yeah it's probably a difficult enough weekend for an accumulator uh, Limerick Galway Cork and Westmead is what you've gone for and um, we're going to enhance that from 9s out to twelve. so that's that's going to be our GR special that's going to be on site for the week
0: alright okay that was based on before talking to Cheddar thinking Westmead had to win and Leash didn't but Cheddar tells me Westmead don't really have to win either so yeah
2: it's <laughs> be, to, be, to take a, a very very be- weird set of results for them not to get through to the final but we'll go with that anyway
0: yeah okay. Okay, any kind of specials you want to mention before we get into the games?
2: Uh, I suppose we have a few specials on the hurling this week. It's obviously it's obviously the main main talking point this week. Uh, one we'll have is Galan and Horgan both score any time both managed to goal last week, and they're always very popular. So the two of them both score a goal on on Sunday five to one, uh, and handsome four to one. Um, then on the Saturday night, I suppose we've picked out two two big name players. I suppose T.J. Reid and Connor Wheel them to score 20 or more points between them so we're going to add up their two scores and if they get 20 or more points at 10 to 1 so that's kind of a bit of interest if you want your when there's two games on at the same time you want to bet across both games another one i'll just mention is cork to be the highest scoring hurling team across the weekend um, looking at Clare the last few weeks, you'd think they have a very good chance anyway. So Cork to be the highest scoring hurling team across the weekend is 11-4. And that's with the two Leinster matches, the two Munster matches and the two Joe McDonough Cup matches.
0: Okay, that's an interesting one. Oh, that's including Joe McDonough Cup as well, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's an interesting one with TJ and Conor Whelan, because usually Conor doesn't shoot the lights out, does he? Maybe one, you might get 1-2 out uh, of him, which means TJ yeah. would have to be getting 15
2: yeah, well, TJ, if you look at his record so far this year, he has been getting fifteen and more. So it's it's yeah, it's it's a ten to one shot. So yeah. it is a bit of a price, but it'll be something. If TJ continues his form, you'll probably only might not only need Conor Whelan to get him for three <laughs> fights. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. There's no doubt
0: about that. Right. So we've gone through the straight wins here. So Wexford, I think, are are a brilliant price at seven to four. Kilkenny four to seven, especially in Wexford Park. Anything else we should pay attention to in this one?
2: Um, I think I think I I think on the match pods, I wouldn't really have a strong but I think it'll be a very very tight match one thing that would kind of catch my eye is 14 to 1 no goal scorer I just think it'll be very tight like it's a very big game for both counties Obviously both counties are actually in danger of going out of the championship if Dublin get a result against Golden, yeah. so it'll be very tight and very nervous match. And I could see no goal score at fourteen to one and under one and a half goals at three to one. I just think I think Wexford'll set up kind of stop with Kenny scoring goals. I think they they might they might put two, three or four lads on TJ Reid, maybe to try and stop. But yeah, I can just see it being a very tight game and no no goal score fourteen to one, under one and a half goals three to one would be two that catch my eye.
0: Yeah, so Kilkenny 10, or Wexford don't tend to score too many goals and they'll be trying to stop Kilkenny. So maybe that, definitely the 3-1, to one, the under 1. 1.5 one. So Tipperary, Limerick, that's the closest one um, in the betting. Tipperary, slight favourites, even though they don't have to win. Limerick have to win, really, not to be worried about any permutations and everything. So you decided Tipperary were slight favourites.
2: Yeah, I think like it is kind of difficult to see Tiff's motivation, but I think they will want to... They will want to show Limerick, uh, put a marker down against Limerick. Like the teams will likely be playing against uh, each other again later in the year. You'd probably expect so. It might be a fairly loose, open game. I'd say maybe Tip will play their strongest team, but they won't be. I don't think tactically they'll be showing they'll be shown Limerick as much as they can. So I can see it being a very kind of high-scoring, loose game. Uh, over 51 and a half points is five to six. And if I was going either way on the match odds, I'd probably pick Limerick uh, eleven to ten, just as you say, a little bit more motivation and maybe Tip. Like if Limerick win this weekend, Tip will probably be playing him again in two weeks. So it could be it, it could be a bit hard. They might they might just not want to show Limerick everything they've got this week.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely um on the cards. All right. So Claire three to one outsiders, Corker three to ten, um favourites to beat them in Cusick Park. Anything else in this one?
2: Uh, the one I'd pick out. Um, I think the thing is, if you are backing Clare, I would back them half time, full time. The half time, full time price is Clare nine to one. Um, I think they'll need to get a good start to win this game. Um, obviously with the last couple of weeks they're coming in, not knowing where they're at, and like if they get a good start and if they can get a goal early, I think they might have a chance of pulling it off. So nine to one for Clare to be leading at half time and win is another is a decent bet. I think. Yeah, and it is. One, The one player I'd pick out is Shane O'Donnell, who hasn't been great the last couple of weeks, but he's always had a great record against Cork. And he's nine to one first goal scorer, so that's maybe something else people could look at.
0: Okay, fair enough. I do like your theory behind the nine to one. If you fancy clear at all, you'd imagine with their brittle confidence they'd have to be winning at halftime. You can't see them coming back probably yeah, um, to it, win t- to win the match. So Dublin Galway then finally, Dublin thirteen to eight, outsiders Galway eight to um, thirteen. as Cheddar said, Maddie Kenny will know all about Galway and Dublin will be mad up for this one.
2: Yeah, I kind of fancy du- Dublin at home, with the home advantage in Parnell Park. I think Parnell Park's probably one of the bigger home advantages in the GA for the Dublin hurlers. Oh. So at 13-8, I think Galway, Galway had a big performance last week, and I think they obviously targeted that Kilkenny match, and they might just be a little bit flatter this week. And obviously it's a massive game for Dublin, it's like win or bust for them, so... I could see them I could see Dublin maybe having a slightly higher motivation and yeah I think at 13-8 I might chance Dublin just with their home and record at home which the record in Paranel Park is very very good
0: yeah okay Damien thanks very much for that we'll talk to you next week alright thanks Tom and
2: when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I would stay going so it opened up
0: we we're only the small little fish out there so we are on there we're trying hard
1: to make it through but it's hard to get the brakes near the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And
2: it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other
0: high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.